Hello and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Cowan. With me is my co-host and good friend, Steve. Steve, how you doing today? Good. Good. I'm okay. It's I'm only- right. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know. I can barely hear you. I got to turn your volume up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for those who are listening, it might only seem like it's been a day since the last day, last time you heard us. But for me and Steve here, it's been like, what, two weeks? Two days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like maybe two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. We took a little Christmas vacation, but we're back at it. Back at it for chapter 33. And, uh, well, you know, you know, you know what I'm going to say. This was a great chapter. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> you didn't like this one? It was fine. Well, What's this guy's name? Jameis? Mm-hmm. I don't give a Jameis. shit about Jameis. Yeah, he's uh he's uh polarizing. But before let's before let before we get into everything, do you have a do you have a chapter na- title for us there, Steve Bean? Nope. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, let's call it Jameis has it coming. <laughs> Jameis does. Jameis does it. Jameis does it. Chapter thirty-three, and I believe today is your turn for the chapter introduction. There. <clears throat> My father, the Padishamper, was seventy-two. Yet looked no more than thirty-five, the year he encompassed the death of Duke Leto and gave Arrakis back to the Harkonnens. He seldom appeared in public wearing other than a Sardaukar uniform and a Bursag's black helmet with the Imperial Lion in gold upon its crest. The uniform was an open reminder of where his power lay. He was not always that blatant, though. He wanted. He... When, when he wanted. He could radiate charm and sincerity. But I often wonder in these later days if anything about him was as it seemed. I think now he was a man fighting constantly to escape the bars of an invisible cage. You must remember that he was an emperor. Father Head of a dynasty that reached back into the dimmest history, but we denied him a legal son. Was this not the most terrible defeat a ruler ever suffered? My mother obeyed her sister superiors while that lady Jessica disobeyed. Which of them was the stronger? History has already answered. Hmm. <laughs> From... In my father's house, <coughs> by the Princess Irulan. I don't like what's happening in my voice. I think it's time I retire that voice. Yeah, do you think you can come up with something else? <coughs> don't tell me that. <laughs> so there's a, there's a little to unpack in that uh, chapter introduction. Uh, the first thing that struck me is that the Padishah Emperor was 72 and looked your age. <laughs> I'm not fucking 35 yet. <laughs> No, but it's like he still looked really good for how old he was, you know? Like they got some good This is a backdoor compliment. Thank you. 
<laughs> um, I that's how I plan on looking when I'm 72. Absolutely, no different from right now. Gotta, I'll give it a few more years. Give it. You got a beanie. You got your glasses. Yep. Graphic T-shirt. What's that T-shirt? I can't see what's going on in it. It's the gorillas. That's a great T-shirt. Yeah. Gorillas. Uh, the other thing that's uh that's worthy to unpack here, it's kind of a little bit foreshadowing what's going to happen next, is uh the the fall of the emperor and the fact that like not having a son is like the like she said like pr- like Princess Aralon says here is like the ultimate demise or the the ultimate upset for a ruler. Like if you don't have a son, not having a son, it's your your line is just gone. It's just over. And even though they've been following all the rules and uh, letting the Benny Gesserit take them where they take everything where they've gone, the uh, the Benny Gesserit still doesn't have complete control over everything. Because when Jessica obeyed, disobeyed them, they're now like on the path of becoming the next masters of the universe. So is that he man he man he man so this chapter <clears throat> i this this chapter is kind of interesting for me it's, i think this chapter here is when i think the movie is going to end i think at the end of this chapter right here yeah i think the end of this chapter is how this movie is going to end now i could be completely wrong but i've seen that dune trailer i don't know how many fucking times now and every times well wow, it's ridiculous uh but everything that I've seen in that trailer leads up to this moment. You see a small moment of uh, Jameis <clears throat> and Paul duking it out, but they're still wearing Fremen uniforms, so it could be their uh, first meeting in uh, the the basin or whatever. You remember the, the, the weird cave that they were in? could be their first mm-hmm. meeting there that where the movie could end, or it could be here. I think it makes the most sense to end the movie here, because we all know that at the end of this, Paul kills uh, Paul kills Jameis, and oh, maybe we didn't all know that. Spoilers. If you're if you're, if you're <clears throat> listening to this podcast, you've read this chapter. Then we love you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't read this chapter, you have your own pro, and you're listening to this. Hey, you have your own prerogatives. Yeah, exactly. If you made you it all the way to chapter thirty three, and you're like, wait, 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 no spoilers. <laughs> Then you are a person of culture. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after Jameis is killed, they do like this naming game at the end of the chapter where they were like, hey, Paul, just in case you didn't have already enough titles, uh, we're going to add you a couple more. And I think that's actually the dialogue that still Car says. He's like, you don't have Pretty enough much. names. You don't have and enough he does names. need more. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is where the uh the name muadib even though we've known it's been coming for a long long time uh this is the birth of the name muadib and this is the first time it's really been said other than just read in the commentaries and the princess irulan stuff yeah exactly um yeah do you think if when i was uh without me leading you by the hand steve like in in just what like going with you throughout this entire book would you be able to figure out who muadib was by yourself by just reading those uh 
those chapter endings. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Because I think it does say stuff like, yeah, there's enough that you can put the pieces together. Gotcha, yeah. I mean, I think they do refer to him as Paul Muad'Dib in a few different chapter introductions. And that's another thing that's uh, that's, uh, mentioned here in this chapter, is that when he chooses the name Muad'Dib, he purposely changes it a little bit to... I think kind of test the waters of his own prescience, you know, like went mm-hmm. through that whole process of him getting the names. He's like, it's all just coming. It's all just coming true for me right now. It, everything is just getting like bombarded on me and there's nothing I can do, but I can change it in small, slight in small ways. And uh, just by small changing. Slices. Say again. Nope. uh just by changing uh those little aspects he molds the future a little bit differently and he's like i didn't see that paul i didn't i threw myself for a loop i think that's what he exactly like pretty much thinks he's like i threw myself for a loop by going like i choose paul muadib instead of just muadib yeah, he realizes that he can sort of he can bend he can bend time. He's mm-hmm. a time bender. But it doesn't change how the future looks for him. Like he he's he's been having these nightmare or like these uh, horrible prescience visions of prescient visions of the Atreides flag going over the universe in a jihad that kills billions, just billions and billions and of people. It just keeps just keeps coming up. Yeah. Um and I feel like that's like a freight train that he can't, he can't turn away from. I mean, he's trying to, he's like, I'm tra- trying to change this thing over here and trying to change that thing from over here, this over here, that over there. Uh, but it is not, it's not enough. But he sees this impending doom that, I mean, you got to have impending doom. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what else is, what, what, what good is uh prescience? future scene if you can't just see the the, the horrible you know the horribleness that's going to be coming to it the end times the apocalypse <laughs> the end of the movie or the next movie or next book yeah exactly uh i do you think they'll do that in the do you, movie? hold on you think this so this book is going to be two movies definitely right yeah definitely i hope so yeah. if they if they try to squeeze it all into one movie i can see again getting a little muddled but i don't know they could pull it off yeah um, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of this chapter. So a large chunk of this chapter is dedicated to the challenge that Jameis, uh, places towards, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but, uh, it's Jameis challenging Jessica, uh, to test the Am Tal or the, to test their prophecy. And it's, this whole process is called the Am Tal rule during this process. Am Tal? Am Tal. Don't ask me what that means. I have no idea. Amtal rule. What does that mean? What did I just say? The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amtal rule uh, essentially is that Jameis is right to test the prophecy of uh, of Lady Jessica and their claim for Saedina and all this other shit that the Machinaria Productiva has laid out for future Bene Gesserit, specifically Paul and Jessica. However, 
uh, according to the rules, is that Jessica can't do it herself. She has to have a champion. Luckily, she's got a strapping young lad right by her side, ready to do basically any, basically her bidding. Even though she's kind of like Paul, she's obviously hesitant of it. No, it's not Paul. Stillgar. Oh yeah, that guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, Stillgar. <laughs> I oh, like Stillgar. I like Stillgar a lot in this chapter. Even though he's, uh, you can tell that he is a bit, he likes Jessica a lot. We saw that in the last chapter when they, when he took her up to the little, like, like, uh, that watch, that the watch little, point. The little love, love nest. Oh, love nest. And he revealed to her all his sand. Um, <laughs> he's got the best <laughs> sand up there. <laughs> Guys, you won't believe the sand that I got. Um, yeah, I like Stilgar quite a bit because he's he's he wants to uphold tradition and everything that his tribe stand or tribe holds dear, but at the same time, he doesn't want to like leave Lady Jessica or not like protect them in some way, but he's just like kind of beholden to the whole thing. And Jameis is uh Jameis is all kinds of butthurt about this whole thing. And even Stilgar even mentions to Jessica, he's like Jameis is real butthurt about this whole like Paul Bastian. Exact game. wording. <laughs> exact exact wording. And uh, like, look, man, like you're just gonna have to let Paul fight him. It's gonna suck. One of them is gonna die. It has to happen. Yeah, it has to happen. One of them has to die. <laughs> Someone has to I die. Don't to die. Like, uh, I don't know how look, else you wanna do he this. He threw some he threw he said the Amtel rule. Look, I don't have time to explain it right now, but like one of them has pretty, to die. But he, but he has to. It's gotta happen. Uh, so he dies. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how Frank Herbert actually describes the fight scene is that uh, I think is actually kind of sweet. Like, he, yeah, it was cool. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I find myself really uh, struggling when writers are describing like hand to hand combat. Um, but I get, but I can keep up with how Frank Herbert is. Uh, is telling the story. Frank Herbert is actually a very good action writer. The more that I'm, the more that I'm delving into this, because you think a lot. I mean, of I'm the noticing philosophy. that too in the in the uh, the. I mean, there haven't been a ton of action sequences. There hasn't. The ones that been. we've had have been great. Have been awesome. They have been friggin' awesome. Um, like the the whole invasion scene, everything that involves like a little bit of action. He describes it and he keeps the action up very very quickly. Like he keeps the pace of the action up. And it's hard to do that as a writer, I think. I don't think um, Robert Jordan describes it as well as I think Frank Herbert does, just to bring in that little Wheel of Time comparison. What do you think? Mm, I mean, we haven't seen... I don't know. I like Robert Jordan's style, but it's it's not as direct in in his action sequences. Some of them we don't even see. Here's a here's the real difference that I think I'm I'm feeling from one book of of Wheel and Time and all the Dune knowledge that I that I have. Which is not fair. It's not fair because you've read like a hundred Dune books. I know it's not fair. It's not fair. But what I've noticed is that Robert Jordan is far more capable of like describing the scene. You know what I mean? Like hmm. when you, when you're in an inn, you can kind of like the way that he describes it is like you're in the fucking inn. You know who the you know who the bar uh, 
the you know who the inn master is or the innkeep. Uh, you know who all yeah, the horses they all look are. Exactly outside. the same. Yeah, they all look the exactly the same except the skinny guy uh, from that one chapter. Don't trust. Yeah, that he guy. was he was the outlier. The Frank Herbert almost kind of re- kind of like leaves it up for more of your interpretation. He he throws in like a little bit of, like a little bit of color in there uh, to describe these settings. But I can get lost of where they exactly are when in Eye of the World, I can like basically follow the map and know exactly where they're going. But here, specifically where they are right now, where this whole fight is happening, I don't know if this is at the Cavern of Ridges or the Cave of Ridges that was ha- that they were in the last chapter, or did they move to another sea? I think they moved. I think they moved as well, but it's not really described. You know? Or maybe I missed that. Yeah, I thought they moved. Yeah, I think they moved as well. But like I said, like Robert Jordan has a little bit he's a little bit better at keeping you grounded in the scene where Frank Herbert, I think, will try to get you to the scene and then he's just kind of like starts talking over himself with weird philosophy and prescient visions and uh hey, Paul I'm here just for having Paul just having a fucking freak out whenever he whenever he wants. I mean, that's uh, Dune, isn't it? In a nutshell. <laughs> really, really it is. Um, how Paul kills Jameis, I think, is um, interesting. Because throughout the entire fight, uh, he's constantly thinking about... He's constantly going back through his training. And uh, like you, you saw in the chapter where, because he's relying on his training, it's making it look like he's toying with Jameis. And he actually loses a little bit of favor with the with the Fremen because of how slow he moves. Because like in shield fighting, you got to move a little bit slower to get in through that shield. But none of these guys wear shields out here. It is straight up like carnage. However, Paul can dodge, but he's having trouble with the with the with the attack, and therefore it looks like he's which is uh, a key part. Stuck. It's a crucial part. It's a crucial part. Uh, if you just keep dodging, eventually. He'll, he'll hit you. Yeah. Never, nevertheless, though, uh, Paul gains the upper hand. And he's able to fucking slice him up there. And, slice and uh, dice. Fatalities him. Cuts him A whole bunch half. of people come and grab him. Come and grab uh, Jameis. Whisk him away somewhere. And uh, the thing that I found really interesting after he killed Jameis was Lady Jessica taking notice of, like, not really like pride that Paul was feeling, but like it was a sense of victory. And Lady Jessica is like, we can't have that. We can't have him like, like, uh, can't have him getting too proud, getting, getting too, too hot headed, too much spice. And basically, and basically comes up to him and just like accuses of a murder right on the spot. <laughs> like, I mean, she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong, but it's just like so harsh. And even Stilgar coming in after her, just going like, Oh, you think you can do this with one of my people? Even the, and then Paul explains, like, I look, I didn't want to kill him. I wanted, I, I wanted him to yield. I wanted him to yield. Uh, so he gains back a little bit of that favor, and then it goes into the naming game where we get the name Usul and Muadib. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything I want to cover in this chapter. There's a little bit of the though... beginning. Go ahead. There's a little bit in the beginning where it's just Jessica, like, again, remarking on sand and how everything has changed 
I mean, and you got all that. the sand. That's important. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a chapter without having that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they will. I don't know if the movie will end here. I don't feel like it's a good, like it's, you know, it's not a big enough fight scene to end a movie. Yeah, I know. It seems like a weird spot, but there's something in my gut. It could be this chapter or the next chapter. All right. That's, All right. that's, if I was a betting man, it'd be one of these two chapters, but there's another point in this, in this book later on that it might be an either an, a more fitting spot, but cool. the point where that happens, there's only like 200 more pages of the book left. Well, wouldn't they just do it at the end of the first book? But you've seen Jan, you've seen, uh, you've seen you see Jameis in the trailer. You've seen Jameis in the trailer. You've seen Stilgar in the trailer. You've seen the meeting between okay. uh, Chani and uh, Paul in the That's trailer. True. So it has That's to go true. a little bit further. But how That's far true. they're going to go? Like, they could spend the entire movie just on all the world building stuff, then the attack, and then them meeting up with the Fremen. And that all takes place within a half hour. You know what I mean? In a two and a half hour movie. Man, yeah. Probably three hours. You know, hope so. Might be three hours. Hope so. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And I believe that's everything that I want to talk <clears throat> about in this chapter here, Steve. Anything anything you want to add there, bud? Nope. Nope. Cool. Nope. Nope. But thank you as always to anyone uh who has made it this far. And uh oh, what do we got? We got nothing. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> With chapter... What chapter are we on? We're on 33. We're going on 34. We'll be back tomorrow with chapter 34 of Dude.